Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. How did this end up being one of the most problematic movies of the 90s? Yeah, I, uh,. There's a lot of notes in here. I got. I, I mean, I, like, I was excited to do this podcast because I did like all the prep for everything but the movie notes before I watched the movie. Uh huh. And just just from that, I was like, man, I cannot wait to do this pod. Yeah. This this one this one this one was draining. <laughs> it also it felt like and a long. 87 minutes like it's not a long movie but it it felt long i don't know if you had the same experience but that, uh, man, this movie dragged it's, it's it's hard for i can't remember because i watched it like two weeks ago oh okay uh, so i'm gonna try and relive the movie through my notes all right <laughs> maze you just watched it right yeah i literally just finished like 15 minutes ago God, it definitely dragged a bit. I mean, when we the third location, right? It's like, oh, now we're going to Brazil. Yeah. There's <laughs> oh, a lot that didn't make sense. A lot that was problematic. None of it made sense. The whole movie's problematic. You know how I like the uh, the first the first sentence of every one of my notes. So like, of these oh movies, yeah, right. Yeah. Today's first note was, I love Leslie Nielsen. He can't make me not laugh. <laughs> and I think I might have to amend that after today. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm holding go. a mic in my hands and now I'm talking yeah, all talk. over. We break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper. That's Amin Al-Hassan. Anthony Mays pushing buttons. Podcast where we talk about bad movies that Amin maybe we think don't get enough respect. But uh, maybe this one got too much. This week's Cinephobe is the 1997 comedy Mr. Magoo. Stars comedy legend Leslie Nielsen. Also, you're going to see uh, Kelly Lynch. You may remember her from Cocktail, from Roadhouse, from Virtuosity. Uh, of course, Ernie Hudson, one of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, Stop bringing the lead. There's a very big star in this movie. You mean the first major movie role for one Jennifer Garner? Yes. Yeah. Problematic. Yes. Problematic movie very role problem- for Jennifer yes. Garner. Way to I'm kick sure it off. Would, I'm sure she would rather we don't remember that yeah. she was in Mr. Magoo. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Also, uh, infamous old man bad guy malcolm mcdowell he's in the clockwork yes. orange uh steven tobolowski he's ned ryerson from groundhog day also been in oh. a bunch of stuff and uh nick chinland who i uh i love he's billy bedlam in con air he's the guy that needs oh, to put the bunny yes. back in the box that's right that's yeah. right yeah the infamous uh fight in the uh the hull of the plane between him and nick cage yeah, um, the back of the balls. <laughs> so uh, this one was directed by Stanley Tong. Stanley Tong directed a lot of Ch- uh, Jackie Chan movies. Really? This is the first and only English language movie that Stanley Tong ever did. I mean, there's a lot that we can infer from that. You're right. He got it right the first time. Decided he didn't want to do it again. <laughs> so this uh, is. <laughs> what was the Rotten Tomato score on this? Seven percent. 
That is quite the score, and yet somehow I am outraged. Yeah, still seems way too high. Uh, synopsis for Mr. Magoo. The myopic millionaire defeats jewel smugglers in his usual bumbling manner. The tagline, the eighth blunder of the world. How about that? $30 million budget. It grossed $21.3 million in the U.S., and uh, totaled $28.8 million worldwide, so it lost money. Oh, man. It lost money. Before we jump into this movie, uh, the li- you want to listen to the rest of the episode, where obviously there are a bunch of spoilers. Mr. Magoo is available on HBO Go. The Rotten Tomatoes score, again, 7% from critics on 29 reviews, 24% from the audience on over 35,000 ratings. Do you have any positive reviews? I'd like to hear what these people have to say. Okay, I've got one positive and i got a bunch of negatives. You want the positive give me, first? Give me the positive first. Let's start on a little bit. In 2008, Ken Fox of TV Guide, this is the positive. Instantly forgettable, but fun while it lasts. That's the nicest thing anyone had to say about this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I just looked up the audience reviews uh-huh. on this one. A five-star review from Tina C., Leslie Nielsen is Mr. Magoo in this movie. I grew up watching the cartoon. My kids and I were doubled over on multiple occasions. Leslie's delivery doesn't disappoint. And you'll find that in this awful movie, that last line right there is especially offensive. (laughs) So here are the bad reviews. Mike Clark of USA Today. The movie is an insult to the intelligence of the entire human race. Yes. Jonathan Rosenbaum of Chicago Reader. If you really hate your kids, pack them off to this slapdash farce whose only funny moment is the PC disclaimer at the end of the Disney company's humanist concern for blind people. Oh, you gave it away. I was holding on to that. (laughs) We'll get to that in a bit. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Mr. Magoo is transcendently bad. It soars above ordinary badness as the eagle outreaches the fly. There is not a laugh in it. Not one. Lawrence Van Gelder of the New York Times. Incomplete as a cartoon. Indecisive as comedy. Halting as adventure. Mr. Magoo turns out to be a short-sighted project. See what he did there? See the short-sighted? Got vision problems. Susan Wolzisna of USA Today. If you ever wanted to know how awful a Jackie Chan movie would be without Jackie Chan, this is it. <laughs> James Beraldno of Real Views. Mr. Magoo is not just an insult to the blind or near blind. It's an insult to every human being who has the misfortune to suffer through this dreadfully unfunny 90-minute atrocity. And then Jeff Weiss of the Desert News. Among those who will be insulted by this painfully unfunny comedy are women, the elderly, and members of several ethnicities, as well as moviegoers with even the slightest wow. modicum of taste. When when was that review? January 1st of 2000. Yeah, it's pretty woke. Yeah. It's pretty woke. Amin, you picked this movie. Why? Simply because it's on HBO? It's on HBO, and like I remember wanting to see it when it came out, okay. and then hearing it was so bad. Yeah, because, never because you're right. Like, Leslie Nielsen has done nothing That's- but made me laugh in childhood. My first note on my notepad. I love Leslie Nielsen. He can't make me not laugh. Like every movie he's in, even he's been in bad movies. Yeah, but I still laugh, like because his delivery is just so deadpan. And by the way, that's my favorite Leslie Nielsen fact. Up until Airplane, he was a dramatic actor. Yeah, he didn't start doing comedies until after Airplane, and he was cast in Airplane because he was a dramatic actor. They wanted someone extremely serious that the audience would look at as a very serious kind of grave person to deliver these ridiculous lines like can you fly this plane and land it surely you can't be serious i am serious and don't call me Shirley. so like airplane was really the movie that launched his turn into comedic acting and that led to obviously the naked gun and and airplane sequels and and uh you know was it mafia was that another one that he did that sounds right to me, mob, yeah. Plays a mob boss. Like, it's like it, everything else that came afterward came all from that one fateful role in Airplane. So, yeah, I, was, I waited to say, look, it's probably going to be a dumb movie. But I'm sure Leslie Nielsen will make me laugh because he's Leslie Nielsen. And yet, it was a tough one. It was a tough one. I guess let's just dive right into it, right? Sure. My opening note, 
wait, is this a cartoon? What in the Kangaroo Jack 2 is happening? Because it opens with an animated uh, credit roll. This is how I thought Kangaroo Jack 2 was going to be, animated to start. Yeah, That's what I thought. And then it would transition to live action. And if you remember, Kangaroo Jack 2 just continued to be animated for the rest of the movie. Right. Um, So in this animated sequence of them giving the the credits and everything, uh, I wrote, he just walked out of a window and what apparently didn't have any glass on it, so there's just an opening to fall to your death at this office building. Uh, my notes were Quincy is his name. I thought that was a black name. I've got a note later on in that (laughs) asking if he's a Freddy Kitchens all-star. Yes. Quincy Magoo does kind of lend towards a certain Freddy Freeman, Freddy Kitchens. Yeah. Grover Cleveland. Yeah. Khalil Green. Mm Mm-hmm. He's all, they're all in the same club here. Dante DiVincenzo. <clears throat> yeah, well. Well, the DiVincenzo I, part, no, but Dante. Yeah. White Dante. Quincy, I don't know that I know a single white person named Quincy. John Quincy Adams is the closest he, I can get to. That's, a, that's not fair, That's though. a stretch. Yeah, that's a stretch. It's, it's like in the 1700s, and it's a middle name and everything. Uh, I'm Googling uh, white Quincy right now. And oh, someone named Quincy White comes up. Oh, who, nice. Who is who who a black man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, I, I'm often, like, curious, not only, like, are there any white Quincy's, but also, how did Quincy become a black name? That's a good question. Well, like, well, when, did the, when did the blacks say, no, this would be ours? It's like, you know what it's like? It's like Jerome. Oh, yeah. There's only two Jeromes I've ever known who were not black. One is Jerry Seinfeld. Real name is Jerome Seinfeld. The other one is Jerome Black Dragon Roll. I don't um, know Jerome's last name. So the Quincy name origin, a, a Norman, Norman surname of old French origin. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It, uh, just, it just means fifth born in Latin. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of people mis- misnumered out there, huh? Uh, <clears throat> it's used in reference to toilets. That derived that's derived from President John Quincy Adams, who was the first to have one installed at the White House. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Zach. <laughs> Wait, why is that a go fuck myself? Yeah, you you wanted you wanted to to shit on John Quincy Adams' legacy. There I didn't want to shit on John Quincy Adams' legacy. Yes, you did. The only thing well, I know about what? him is he was Paul guess Giamatti. What? He's shitting on you. No, that's John Adams. Oh, that was shit. his. That was his dad. That was dad. Was gr- John Quincy Adams not only shit on you, but then he flushed you in his brand new fucking toilet. How about that? Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. Who uh, was John Quincy Adams? They had toilets back then? No, not not until him. They do now. That's what he's saying, right? <laughs> in whatever seventeen nineties or whatever. It's like, yeah, toilets like that. They do now, motherfucker. You're he was, welcome. He was in office from eighteen twenty five to eighteen twenty nine. They had toilets. There you go. And he says, they do, they do now, motherfucker. <laughs> Hold on. Now we won't be able to flush for another month. Yeah, so he, he la- when he walks out to out the just open, open, not even window, just the opening in the building, in a business building, um, he lands on a construction beam, as is, you know, the Magoo specialty, walks into his own factory, and they're just, there's a bunch of eggplants. The workers don't appear to care that he's there. Maybe. He gets in his car. He drives, uh, which makes me wonder. So he works in the office building, but his car is parked in the factory? Does that seem right to you? He's a man of the people, Zach. I I guess. He's driving back. He's obviously swerving all over the place. He's driving on train tracks. I wrote he's turned this into a poor man's version of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which is my favorite ride at Disneyland. My favorite thing to go on. You, you you have a very 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 sad existence at Disneyland. It's That's so fun. Ride? It's so fun. You know why? Because I like when you get to the court and the and the judge goes guilty. I love that part. He drops the gavel, and then he becomes the devil. It's a real you know. I mean, it's a real look into our legal system. I I, I for one like the the rides where I don't know something actually happens. <laughs> All right, he knocks over a fire hydrant while driving, feels water, and that's where he says, El Nino's back. 
Yeah. Also, I also have a note here that says, this nigga ain't old. I think he's illiterate. Because there's several times where he just, like, reads the sign incorrectly. I'm like, I don't think that's that's bad eyesight that's doing that. I yeah. that's someone who can't read. <laughs> um, and so I, I made a note that he almost exclusively says to himself constantly, oh, Magoo, you've done it again. But it's never clear what he's done. <laughs> there's a lot of that, man. There's a lot of him talking to himself. Yeah. Like, I think and, he's insane. Yes. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, like the way he, he laughs the whole time. It's pretty, it's pretty awkward. Like, it's pretty, pretty awkward. Like, yeah. you saw someone doing that. I don't think you'd allow them to pass their driver's license test. Or no. Whatever, but, yeah. No, not at all. And so... Uh, we get to the point where we get a little voiceover from a TV broadcast talking about at uh, this uh, museum. Um, they call Mr. Magoo the Vegetable King. Did you know he's the Vegetable King? I didn't know that. I did not know that either. But yeah. I guess that's the thing. And as he pulls up to the to the event with uh, with all this, it's no longer animated. And he in the museum that I believe he's a part of is housing the treasures of Kuristan. Yes. Safe. And that's what I wrote. That's what I wrote. Maybe this whole thing should have been animated. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It did looks you, bad. Did you, notice, did you notice that the voiceover work on the animation was the original Magoo voice? Yes. It wasn't Leslie Nielsen. Right. Not Leslie Nielsen. Um, yeah. And so my first note here is, fuck, Leslie Nielsen looks old. He and does. I don't, I don't know if that was. That's not makeup. That's not makeup, right? They, that's, that's, that's just how we looked at that point. That's 1997 Leslie Nielsen at work oh, right there. Oh, man. Um, we get introduced to uh, to Kelly Lynch, who plays Luann. And I'm just referring to this guy as Billy Bedlam the whole time in my notes. Because okay. it's just easier for me to do. I don't. I actually don't know his name in the movie. But Luann and Billy Bedlam are admiring a ruby. And Billy's got a a, a jewelry for beginner's book in his hands. And she says, oh, that's quite exquisite. And he said, he tells her it's not exquisite and then names the minerals that, that make up a ruby. Right. And she has to explain I, to him that it's an adjective, not an element. The word exquisite. There, there is a point in this movie. It's going to come in a, a little bit later, but I'm just going to drop this note right now. I put in, what the fuck is the point of this movie? The, the, like literally the beginning makes no sense. None of this, none, like the way Zach just introduced characters or whatever is way clearer than it happens in the actual movie. Yeah. Right? Like, it, like there is nothing, there is, there is, there's no through line in this whole movie. Nope. At all. No, nope. um, it's just a, a random sequence of events. Here's some, here's some Magoo is blind or doesn't see well comedy. He eats, I don't know, an egg off of a woman's hat. Thinking it's a caterer. Oh, um, oh thank you, my dear. So oh, I, I think this is the only laugh that I that I gave in this movie because this is the laugh that comes up. So we were introduced to Waldo Magoo, who is his nephew, and he says he says that uh, Magoo's got to find a new eye doctor, and Magoo says he's going to stick with this guy because he's been going to him since he was a child. Waldo says he's like two thousand years old. All of his pa- other patients are dead. And Magoo responds, you can't hold that against him. I legitimately laughed. I thought that was a funny exchange. Nice. My, my first laugh of the movie comes later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now we get Waldo has discovered Jennifer Garner, who plays Stacy Sampa Hoditra. She's, she plays an ethnic role, but the role's name is Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, she's given an ethnic last name, I mean. And an ethnic accent. She's from the... Yeah, no, that's the... Oh, man. So she's... She comes from the Kuristani Foreign Office. I looked up... Because I was unfamiliar with Kuristani. Um, It's not a real place. What? Well, Kurdistani is real. It's a region of Iraq. So if you add a D in there... Kurdistan. Yes. Right. So that's what I thought they were going for. No. It's Kurdistan. It's uh, a fictitious country, Zach. Cause, but it's just one letter away from being a real place. I figured that they were going with that or just yeah. mispronouncing it because they gave her, a, I don't know what kind of accent, but she's either got to be Middle Eastern or, or, or Asian, right, at this point. Uh, I put, let's see, what did I say about her accent? The so accent I, is killing me. <laughs> so I just wrote, I, just wrote, I guess she's Iraqi. Okay. That's what yeah, I wrote. That, 
So you went through this entire movie thinking it was Kurdistan. Well, because I looked, I looked up. I was like, I that sounds like a real place to me. But let me double check. So I typed it in, and it auto corrected to Kurdistan. And so I looked, like, did some further research. It's a region of of Iraq, right? So that's what I thought. I thought she was trying to be Iraqi the whole time. All right. Is it is that that far fetched with the way this movie goes? Uh, I guess not. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, Waldo Magoo is smitten. Magoo says to invite her to the opera tomorrow night. And I wrote, I'm not sure what this accident is supposed to be, but it's offensive. <laughs> oh, and this is, yeah, this is where I, I noticed for the first time that Mr. Magoo's name is Quincy. There you um, go. So Quincy Magoo is now cutting the ribbon for the exhibit, except he can't see what he's cutting at. So he's wielding these giant scissors around. Everyone's freaking out. And then he cuts an electric wire there's sparks flying and he mentions indoor fireworks and yeah. and I wrote uh, the joke is because he can't see <laughs> he walks into a tomb in the exhibit thinking it's a phone booth sees a mummy and calls for assistance for the injured man in bandages he accidentally gets locked into the tomb these are all way funnier with you saying it than me actually watching the movie <laughs> hours later he's still in the tomb hours later Luann and Billy Bedlam are on the roof, ready to break in to steal the ruby. Uh, we find out Billy's supposed to watch Luann um, because the the guy who's hired them doesn't trust her. So after she gets down to the ruby, he decides to join her. Except, oh, I mean, he's such a klutz. He's a bumbling, a bumbling, you know, hired hired goon. And so he falls down onto this. Uh, pterodactyl exhibit and then falls onto right. the brontosaurus and i wrote he flintstones his way yes. down the brontosaurus and crashes through the ruby exhibit and the alarms sound all right so questions one did this movie come out before or after mission impossible mission impossible is 95 okay so it's after mission impossible so i i because there was a moment where i was i panicked and said wait a second because, you know, she comes down, rappels down from the, the roof of the busy. Yeah, one year after Mission Impossible. So, could they have known? When would they? Yeah, I think that's an, well, all right. This came, Mission so, Impossible. Let me just wait. There, there was a moment that has now since been disproved that I had a pang of, wait a second. Did Mission Impossible rip off the whole rappelling from the, the oh. thing from, from Mr. Magoo? <laughs> like, I, I just, I was like, what if, right? I. I knew they were out around the same time, but I wasn't sure what was the order. But now you tell me Mission Impossible I came mean, out in 96. This came out in 97. May, that means they, they independently arrived at that thing at the same time. Well, this came out, Mission Impossible came out in May of 96. Right. Mr. Magoo was Christmas Day 1997. Oh, this no, was a Christmas case. Day release. Yeah, no, they definitely took their time with this. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, what were you thinking? other observations jesus how bad was their prop department these dinosaurs supposed to be at a museum they look like cartoon characters yeah the dinosaurs had eyebrows and smiles guys like (laughs) i I can't i can't stress enough how little these model dinosaurs or fake dinosaurs look like dinosaurs they look like cartoons they look like actual cartoons and then when your boy billy bedlam slides down the brontosaurus (laughs) it comes complete with the the like cartoon style scoring as you said the guy who did the score must have come with the cartoon like they must have got the original like, like yeah. it, it was done complete cartoon style oh 100% yeah so at this point Magoo just leaves the tomb so he was in there for hours with the ability to leave that's what we're come to come to believe uh, as Billy's about to shoot Magoo in the back Security guard interrupts, tells him to drop the gun. Magoo walks out and emergency exit. The alarm sounds. Billy knocks out the guard. Um, and they they get away. Luann and Billy Bedlam get away. So now we go to a uh, new scene. Waldo is cleaning up Magoo's car. And the license plate on Magoo's car says, The Goo. The space goo. I said there's a lot of dick jokes for a kid's movie. That's, yep. that's the- because the next thing we see is a giant eggplant mobile that has a sign on it that says Magoo's eggplant that moves you. This is the this is the precursor to dick pics. I that's what I've come up with. 
This movie is what like eventually initiated the eggplant emoji being a dick. Yes. And everything. Like Mr. So, Magoo. Uh, like and just throughout the movie, like Mr. Magoo's just a hornball. He's just a horny old man. <laughs> he is. There's no oh other way God. around it. And now yeah, we get man. to the other main character, which is Magoo's bulldog, who has an alarm clock. He pisses into a jar in the room that has a fire hydrant picture above it. Yeah, this is where I said, this is how dog people think their dogs are. <laughs> it's wearing like a robe. Dog per- yeah, they think that, like, like, Mr. Magoo's dog, basically his whole job in life is to make Mr. Magoo look good. Like, he's about to walk into a fiery pit of lava. The dog comes and trips him, and he ends up walking into, like, uh, a, a, like a, a wonderful pool of cool water or whatever. Like, every everything that's about to, every sort of, like, calamity that's about to beset Mr. Magoo, the dog is there to, to fix. Right. And so, I, but, like, the way the dog, like, took a leak in, like, a, what's supposed to be, like, a dog toilet. I guess. I was like, this is ex- all the dog people think their dogs are like. Oh, my dog is really smart. My dog knows better than us. We find out that he lays out the outfits for, for Quincy Magoo every morning. Exactly. The dog, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, he's pulling, he's pulling way, uh, like vacuums out of the way so Magoo doesn't walk into him. I have a note here that says, was that a rabbit wearing lingerie? In the picture? I think so, No, it's yes. a poodle. It's like a small poodle, I think, or some still kind of poodle-like wearing, dog. Still yes, wearing lingerie. Wearing lingerie, yeah. That's a frame picture next to the dog's bed. But, but why? That's a great question, I mean. It's a <laughs> great question. All right, now we are, we're back in the museum. Ernie Hudson and uh, Stephen Tobolowski are, are the agents. The guy from Memento. The guy from Memento is what I wrote. <laughs> he's the guy from Memento, remember? Um, you, is he? You ever seen Memento? Yeah. He's the guy from Memento that when they're trying to explain to Guy Pierce, his condition, or is it Thomas Jane, whichever, they both look alike to me. Uh, they're trying to explain the condition to him. They're, they talk about this other dude whose wife brought him in and protesting because he, he had anterior grade memory loss. And so uh, they would tell him oh, to pick up a block, yeah. remember? Yeah, and yeah, one yeah. of the blocks was electrified. And he's like, ow. And he'd always cut, you motherfucker. And then he'd forget five minutes later, and then he'd pick up the same electrified block. That's the dude. Okay, I just always known him as Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. I was thinking about the guy from Memento, man. Okay. Uh, also, one one last thing, I put in the note. I can't tell the burglar from the nephew. Uh, that's I got fair. very yeah. I got very confused early in the movie between Billy Bedlam. Oh, and you thought it was a you thought it was an inside job. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, wait, what's going on here? But he just seems so bungling. I was like, it can't be the same guy. Um, so Ernie Hudson is a CIA agent and Steven Toblowski, the guy from Memento, Ned Ryerson is an FBI agent. They're with the state department. They're investigating the missing Ruby. They want to put a fake in the exhibit. So no one's aware that this has happened. Um, and that causes, that means there's no press for it. And that, and that causes in a new scene, Billy Bedlam is paranoid that the crime wasn't in the papers, but we find right. out thanks to Luann. He's reading yesterday's paper. Good job. Oh, clever. They're on a boat. Uh, Magoo is out fishing in the SS Magoo while applying toothpaste to sunscreen because, again, I mean, can't see. Yes. He's blind. Um, <laughs> also, I wrote the note, how does he not have skin cancer? From all the toothpaste. From all the toothpaste. His skin's never been brighter and more fluoride-free, but he's got skin cancer. Oh, man. Um, all right. Luann wants to auction the ruby themselves to get all the money. Instead of giving it to the boss where he'll auction it while saying this, she's setting up uh, to steal the, the ruby from Billy who has it, who this, has possession of it. This is my first laugh of the movie right here. She, when she's trying to seduce Billy into doing this, she says, I can take you places you've never been before. And he says, I've never been to Toronto. <laughs> that, that did it for you. I, I laughed. I did laugh at that moment. <laughs> okay. It was just ridiculous. Okay. And then my next note, I don't even know what I'm referencing here, was a lot of dick jokes for a kid's movie. A lot of dick jokes, man. Oh, my God. So she tries to kick him off the boat. He grabs onto her. The ruby falls onto Magoo's head and falls into his tackle box. By the way, the ruby looks like a ring pop. Again, Yeah, pop I mean, it is comically. What are we doing? Yeah, comically big. Like, um, they just, they, they spent $30 million on this movie. Clearly, none of it was spent on props. <laughs> 
<laughs> had to have been what a maximum of like six hundred dollars on props. I mean, it couldn't have been much. Uh, man, six hundred dollars. You're really pushing it. Um, so he casts a line because he's fishing, and he hooks Billy right in the ass as he's holding on to to Luann and trying not to fall off this boat. This is a Christmas movie. It's a, <laughs> Billy drops in the water. Magoo reels in the pants off of Billy. Magoo boats away and Billy swims after him. And Billy apparently is a great swimmer because he's he's just step in step with Magoo's boat the whole time. Uh, Magoo walks off the boat and onto one of those giant boat wheels. Uh, thinking it's an oh, escalator, yeah. I wrote some real wire work happening here on this scene. Yes, I was pretty impressed. Billy tries to do the same. He falls. He gets caught in the wheel. Um. Now we get back and the agents think Magoo is in on it and create and he created the diversion to get the ruby stolen. The agents want to put him under surveillance, so they get Stacy from Kuristan to uh to be in on the investigation to lead them to Magoo. So uh now we get a shot of Malcolm McDowell. He is the the bad guy who hired Luann and Billy Bedlam to steal the ruby. He's the boss. Uh this guy named Peru, who they call the Piranha, who's the king of the underworld, might show up to this auction. So now we know where this ruby is supposed to go. Um, Stacy shows up to Magoo's house to pick him up for the opera. She cites a cultural reason for some reason. Magoo says to show her the garden because it's intimate. So, like, Magoo's just trying to get well, no, everybody no. to fuck. He, t- he tells her to come to the opera, right? Well, Magoo told Waldo in front of her come to the opera but then i wrote down in my notes why is magoo in an opera that, well yeah i mean that's a there is no there's no through line in this entire movie like they just like it was like they walked in every day and say all right give us some ideas what if magoo was in an opera like good idea good start and yeah. they just improv everything from there right poorly uh so magoo's trying to get him to fuck in the garden i guess i don't know uh, I wrote the dog is constantly moving obstacles out of Magoo's way. Uh, he knocks over the tackle box, revealing the ruby. The dog brings yes. the ruby to Magoo. Yes. And he throws it outside yes. to play fetch. He gets stuck in this uh, this rabbit-shaped hedge. Yes. Uh, where they were just looking. They just missed it as she's yes. trying to search for the ruby. Oh, the timing, I mean. The dog tries to get it from the hedge, which is and it, where the, the ruby landed right between the, the fictitious rabbit's legs. So I said, oh, look, the dog is eating the rabbit's nuts. Again, big joke. <laughs> like, it just, I don't, I don't know. And, it, and it's just a bunch of vignettes, really, that, like, the but, scenes don't go together. But then none of them are funny. Right. Right. We have a combined two all, laughs from this this movie so far. And there's there's separate points. And and they're all like real like again, really like risque humor for a children a Disney children's movie that's coming out on Christmas. Yes. Like I can't think of Yeah. Jeez. At the opera. Now we're at the opera. The agents are are fucking around with each other. Uh, apparently Magoo's gonna sing at the opera. That's where we find out he's a you know he's a singer. Luann goes there in disguise as a reporter. I wrote she looks like a hotter Nicole Kidman. Because by the uh, way, like Kelly Lynch, man, she was it, still bringing it in 1997. I can't remember whether it was Luann or was it Stacy, but one of them says, "Well, how do I look?" And my answer was like 1997. That that was Stacy. That's later on. Magoo wants to go to the beach with her the next day, so they get a private interview. I wrote. Once again, Magoo is a horn dog. Um, there's a bunch of like slapstick hijinks happening at the opera. He's accidentally like he's got this like fake sledgehammer. He's a Viking, right? And he's I don't know. He's hitting the. He's knocking out the one agent. He's knocking out Billy Bedlam, who's trying to kill him. A giant fan gets turned on and starts blowing stuff all over the place. He catapults an agent across the stage. I mean, is any of this stuff interesting? Like, did you even like, no. I didn't smile at any I don't of this. Even, I don't even have a note on it. There you go. Yeah. My next note is memento and brown face. Oh, oh, all right. Hold on. You got a little bit. So now we're at the beach with the interview, the agent stalking them. Uh, Luann thinks that he has the Ruby on. So she's like trying to make advances. She's like searching all over him. He thinks she wants to fuck. Um, she wants to get him on the boat. 
Uh, oh, my dear. Oh. Yeah, Maguya, you've done it again. Uh, Maguya, you fucked again. Like, I don't, maybe that's what he means when he says you've done it again. I, I, I don't know. She, like, she uses a dead fish to kiss him when he wants a kiss. And Maguya's doing so much fucking, he can't tell that that's not the lips of a human alive woman rather than a dead cold fish. Uh, I wrote a note. We've all been there, fellas. Maybe not. Maybe it's just me. The agent has looked up Luann in the system. She's called the Black Widow because all these all these men she's with dies. Um, Luann's going through his shit on the boat. She finds a tackle box. Um, or she finds out the tackle box is back home. Wants to go there. So she fakes a sprained ankle and gets Magoo to agree to take her to his house. Again, he just thinks she wants to fuck. Can you blame him? This is where we find... Uh, your 1997 comment, Stacy. Well, so I wrote. So for all these things, I think she's. I think she's supposed to be an Iraqi woman. Because <laughs> I wrote, Stacy, the Iraqi woman, is dressed in a skirt and crop top <laughs> on her date with Waldo. <laughs> he, uh, he tries to kiss her. She says they mustn't. She confesses to Waldo about the agents investigating Magoo. Wants to help Magoo. Wants to figure things out. Um, and this is where we get to. We're back at Magoo's home. Um, the FBI agent, I wrote, the FBI agent is dra- is dressed racistly as he tries to get into Magoo's home. But I'm just saying, like, there's no pretense. No, there's there's no there's no understanding. Like, here, let me explain it to you. If one were trying to sneak into Magoo's home, why would being Indian help you? Right. Yeah. He's in a he's in like a turban. Right. He's in, like he's in brown face. But I just don't understand how that's the solution to sneak in somewhere. Right. It's not like it's not like he's it's not like he's questioned him yet, right? He or doesn't even know knows what he looks like. Yeah. He can walk over. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no <laughs> there's just no reason for it. At the same time, Billy Bedlam's trying to get in. Um he unknowingly passes the ruby in the hedge. I just keep having I just have these notes over and over. Why was brown face in the disguise yeah. necessary? No, I said is Memento and Brownface, then later on, update. It is Brownface. Yeah. But but why? <laughs> Other note that's embedded in here is, I underestimated how annoying the constant chuckling would be. From Magoo? Yeah. Yeah. Like, after, it, it really it's a wears lot. on you. It's a lot. Uh, so Magoo returns with Luann. And then, but I did write this. The racist agent just hung himself up inside a coat on a coat rack. It's the most athletic thing I've seen in a movie. That was actually impressive. Yeah, I don't he, think that was actually real. He well, I don't know, but he puts the coat on and then he just puts the coat on the coat rack and he tucks up and, into it. Yeah. I just I thought it was clever at worst. Okay. Um Luan spots the tackle box in the, <laughs> in, the, in the closet. Um she asks Magoo to cook something for her to get him out of there. Magoo goes cooking with an instructional video. He's setting off the bugs that the agent has placed in there left and right. Uh, the dog gets the ruby out of the hedge. He brings it in. He accidentally changes the TV to a workout video. But Magoo can't see Amin, so he just thinks that these instructions in the workout video are the cooking instructions. Yes. He throws so... the ruby outside again to play fetch. He's working the legs back and forth. It's changed to a construction video. He gets sandpaper out to sand down the 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 turkey or the chicken or whatever the fuck it is. I wrote again, why is the agent in brown face? <laughs> there was that nice line on his bald forehead, though, between yeah, his brown that, face and, and his the, white that's head. The, that's the point where you really, it really hammers home that he is, in fact, in brown face. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's what confirmed it for me, yeah. at least. Um, all right. Waldo thinks Magoo is confessing to stealing the ruby when he's just talking about trying to fuck Luann. Uh, Magoo <laughs> wants him to meet Luann. Magoo thinks she's going to propose, but she pulls out a gun on him. Is is Donald Sterling Mr. Magoo? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Just think about like with all the Sterling stuff in the news right now. I'm like, yeah. So dog, the dog brings the ruby. Magoo throws it again, thinking the dog wants to play fetch. Uh, Lands next to a chimney. Billy falls out of the chimney and grabs it and runs. Waldo tackles Luann. She claims to be FBI. Now the agents converge on Billy and he takes the car that's got this like, like it's just, I guess, a bifocal windshield. Uh, yes. So he that's can't, a- to help Magoo drive. 
Yes, that's, that's but, he, but obviously he can't see it. And that's when I write in all caps with the egg or with the with an exclamation point. The eggplant mobile. Chekhov's eggplant mobile. My next note: Fast and Furious, Tokyo Dick. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good, man. Thanks, man. I was pretty proud of that. Uh, Billy gets away. Luann tells Magoo about the auction and the piranha. So now Magoo's going to pretend to be. Th- Oh, wait. Oh, this is where... Oh, this is so in the eggplant mobile as they're driving. For some reason, they drive off a ledge and there's a suspended giant tunnel cylinder that the eggplant drives into. It's very sexual. Again, children's movie released on Christmas Day. There's just a... There's a dick going into a hole. For no yeah, reason. Like it's, yeah, so, you know, like those big pipes, I'm talking about like the pipe is the size of, of a room, right? And yeah. so it's a construction site. It's like an aqueduct pipe, essentially, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a construction site, and one of these things is like on a sling, and they're trying to lay it into place. And as it's like floating down slowly, the, the dick mobile, I mean, the eggplant mobile <laughs> jumps off the cliff. And just the timing is perfect to the it lands right into the hole. I mean, he, yeah, he fucks the construction site. I love the obvious cutaway to the the model <laughs> plant that they had to, because they, you know, they cut that together from like four different shots. But just the mm-hmm. obvious <laughs> tiny model size one. Magoo is such a horny old man that he fucks a construction <laughs> site in a kid's movie on Christmas Day. At least by the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> can't they can't stress that enough. <laughs> All right, Billy gets away. Luann tells Magoo about the auction. Blah, blah, blah. So now Magoo's going to pretend to be the piranha. Yeah, what could go wrong? Uh, to try to get the ruby from Billy and the rest of the goons. Um, he dresses, I, I mean, I guess racistly, right? He's supposed to be a, a Mexican? A Brazilian? Uh, uh, no, I, no, they... Uh, <laughs> Later on, we find out he's Brazilian, although I don't think they know much about this. They, and by they, I mean the, the filmmakers. I don't think they knew much about the country of Brazil. No, because he's speaking Spanish. Yes, everyone speaks Spanish when they when the movie gets to Brazil. It's like, wait a sec, why is everyone in, speaking Spanish? And I realize, oh, they don't know. No, they have no oh. idea that's a Portuguese country. Yes. Um. All right, Magoo's pretending to be the piranha. Uh, Luan steals the snowmobile from Waldo. The agents and Stacy are in pursuit. My next note, there are 35 fucking minutes left in this movie. There's a line here where it said, this is a job for, for, for professionals. And someone responds, then why are the two of you going? And I said, oh, snap. <laughs> so the, the hitmen are in this locker room before the auction. They're showing off tattoos. They want to see uh, the piranhas tattoos. And in a very short amount of time, for a man whose sight is so bad that he is in calamity after calamity, he draws one of the most intricate things I've ever seen. It's a frog with a cigar and guns. He draws it on his own chest. It's it's very impressive art for anybody, let alone a blind man. Yes, it is. This uh, is after Malcolm McDowell brings out a rainbow assortment of hookers. Oh, that's right. And Magoo, I actually really like this line. As Peru, he says, I was going to kill someone this morning, but I did it last night so I could be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, they're having this auction in a pool? In, in like a, a bathhouse, a hot tub, yeah. So it's, it's, it's like a, a, a large hot tub, like a hot tub the size of a swimming pool. Yeah. And Malcolm McDowell's sitting over there on a giant stone-carved bear's mouth on hydraulics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I and mean, what for? Why? Why? Oh yeah, that's, a, that's the point where when they're leading them out there, and he goes the wrong way, and they say, "Mr. Peru, it's this way," and he just looks at them and he yells, "There are no signs." I laughed at that too. I don't know. <laughs> it's just the way he said, "There are no signs." Okay. Reminded me of my dad. Uh, <laughs> my dad. He uh, he sits in the water, and of course he dips down at one point enough to where now the tattoo is running. 
Right, and tattoos don't run, so that's the tricky part. McDowell presents the ruby for everybody to bid on. Magoo says he wants to see it. He gets it in his grasp. McDowell figures out it's Magoo by looking at a picture of him in the paper and drawing hair on the yeah. picture in black ink. Yeah. I was like, oh. Billy comes and tries to get him. Luann saves him from Billy. Waldo tries to tell Magoo she's not in the FBI. She gets away as once again, agents converge at the last minute. She leaves on a snowmobile and uh, Magoo pursues on an ironing board that he's snowboarding on, I guess. Can you, can you snowboard on an ironing board is what I, what I wrote in my notes. It's a great question. And then I thought it was very funny that as he snowboards, he, of course, in true Magoo fashion, inadvertently enters a snowboard race. Yes. Yeah. There's a, there's a snowboarding competition. Yes, and two of the sponsors of this snowboard race are Compaq and Nortel. And I was just like, wow. That is really on the nose. Yeah, 1997, you've never been more 97 in your life. Yeah, uh, so through, you know, just sheer dumb luck, he's knocking out of the, these competitors left and right in the snowboarding competition. He's making it into a random tunnel that's there for some reason, which I don't really understand. Um, and, oh, I did laugh again. Because he wins the competition, he crosses the finish line first, and the announcer says, and the winner of the quarter cross women's final is a man on an ironing board. For some reason, that made me laugh, the delivery of it. I missed that part. So so, uh, as everyone else is in pursuit, Billy uh, is frozen completely on the hill. Everybody falls off this cliff. Um, I don't know, man. Luann calls the real piranha and she's dressed like Mrs. Doubtfire to arrange a deal between the two of them to get the ruby. Waldo's trying to attack or trying to track her down. Um, Magoo's dog attacks her and she runs away and they find her airline receipt. And that's when I wrote this movie is so old. Remember those days having your ticket before you got to the airport? Yep. Um, They're going to Brazil to get her and to get the ruby. Then I wrote, there's 20 minutes left, and for some reason, Waldo has a tarantula on him. I'm not sure why that gag was needed, because all it is is he has a tarantula on his vest, and Magoo says, nice badge. Well, that's why they needed that gag. There's a lot of scenes where we just cut into uh, a moment with no buildup or context, like the like the tarantula moment, and yeah, it's just like it, it makes me think that there's like 45 minutes on the cutting floor that would have tied a lot of shit together. Probably, yeah, yeah. Why does Brazil look like the Hollywood Hills? Oh, it really <laughs> does. It really does. Actual Mr. Prue's house does not look like it's in Brazil at all. It looks like it's yeah. It's right. It's right that's, here. Yeah. And that's when they do the whole terrible Abbott and Costello routine of this receipt is for Brazil why would she go to Brazil she's going to Peru she'd go to Brazil to go to Peru exactly but why to get more for the ruby Peru exactly but then why go to Brazil Peru is in Brazil Peru is in Brazil Ortega Peru is in Brazil (laughs) Ortega Peru course and that's why we're going to brazil oh yeah right yeah <laughs> um, lol at the b-roll of the of the jesus statue like it was, it was just so clearly like they just like if youtube was around they would have just scraped it off of youtube right they didn't even bother uh peru the piranha makes a euro disney reference and i wrote, again wrote this movie Sh- so old shameless plug <laughs> oh right shameless sh- plug disney corporation that's yeah. smart they encounter, encounter a chained-up baboon on a swing. It's a mandrill. Oh, it's a mandrill. Right. gets mad at me for correcting uh, animal nomenclature again. Yeah, that's fine. Wait, did, who got mad at you before? Did I do that? No, it's when I called it Tyrannodon in Land of the Lost. <laughs> you guys got upset. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, right when they, they see it, a Tyrannodon comes down, picks it up, and flies away. Right, Look at so this now they nerd. Everyone else says it's a pterodactyl. It's one of the flying ones. You got to call it something else. What'd you call I wrote, it? I wrote down pterodactyl. Pteranodon. Yeah. What's the difference? Dude, I don't know. I'm not, it's not like I'm recognizing these dinosaurs. <laughs> it's just like, this is what's in the description of the movie. You're like the kid from uh, Jurassic Park. Excuse me. I mean, uh, no, that's actually a pteranodon. You can tell by the plumage. <laughs> I was like, when did Kevin Durant show up? 
All right, he comes a, a a mandrill on a on a swing. It's chained up, and Magoo says, "Ugliest child I've ever seen." <laughs> uh, you see, guys, he, he doesn't he doesn't see well. Guy in the monkey suit, man. Yeah, it's just a guy in a monkey suit, <laughs> a mandrill suit, and and it, and it chases them. I, I man, I don't know. Like I, I, uh, I didn't get the point of that. Why is everyone speaking Spanish? Is another question. Yeah, this been super hard. There's a part where I say, "Holy green screen!" And I can't remember what scene it was, but I just remember the. It's got to be the waterfall, screen. right? Yeah, it's got to be the waterfall. Yeah, you're, you got some. You're, we've got a lot of shit now. before we get to that. Yeah. Uh, um, so Luann and, and Peru exchange the ruby for cash, which is hidden in this guy's clothes. This guy's wearing a comically large amount of clothes, and apparently there's just money tape, taped to all of it. Did you um, see that they were thousand dollar bills? No, were they? Yes, they oh were. Yeah. Are those those don't exist, right? No, no such thing as a thousand dollar. No, um, and and there's definitely not that many of them if there are. Right. Uh, Magoo falls into the mansion into a bubble bath for the bride when she sees him covered in bubbles. Um, she faints, and so Luann is taking down Brazilian assassins who are now trying to kill her. Uh, Peru double crossed her. Magoo comes out dressed as the bride uh, and has the veil covering. Piranha gives her or gives Magoo the ruby, thinking it's his bride, right before the ceremony. Uh, I say Magoo takes it, says some Spanish for some reason, and then runs out. And then my note is why does Magoo have fake tits and how did he get fake tits in such a short amount of time? It's working. I guess. Yeah, we're not going to dive too deep into the how the wedding dress fit him either. Yeah, that's also a great question because they're definitely not the same size person. Uh, Magoo has to save Waldo. Piranha has, uh, gets the ruby back as the feds converge yet again. Luann steals a helicopter that Peru was supposed to take. Magoo gets in too. Magoo grabs the ruby inside the chopper as it gets shot up from the inside. Magoo falls into the ocean. Luann jumps in after him. And then, you know, a rescue service drops a raft. Magoo is supposed to hook up the raft so the the helicopter can drag them back to safety. And he instead hooks her up to it so she's safe, but he's now in a raft. And this is where uh, the green screen work is not ideal. And this is where I wrote the note. And you assholes want to give me shit about the knowing CGI. <laughs> yeah, no, this was, this was, this was particularly and, and then- really... It, somehow the raft becomes a parachute, I mean. Yeah. When he falls off the yeah. waterfall, he he flips it upside down. He's holding onto yep. it, and it's and just floating. And it floats down. And then he just floats down. Yep. Yeah, he floats to safety, I'm lands on another raft. Yeah, yeah, Mary Poppins. And then, and then says again, Magoo, you've done it again. Has he done this before? <laughs> well, that's, that's just his again? cartoon catchphrase. He just, he always comes out clean. But it's gotta have, it's gotta have context. It's oh, gotta work. Magoo, you've done it again. The feds arrest Luann. They replace the real Ruby into the exhibit. Magoo signs a book that the feds wrote about this whole thing. Right? There's um, a TV movie coming out. There's a TV movie coming out. And now we're back to a cartoon. He Wait, walks up. There's, the, there's a line that we skipped. What? I remember. Maybe it's after they tell Luann she's going to jail or something. But someone tells someone else they make great loaf de meat. <laughs> I laughed at that. Okay. Wow. That's all that took. <laughs> they make. Yeah, she <laughs> pretends to be French, and the I think Ernie Hudson yells at her that they make good loaf de meat in prison. Okay. Yeah. So it turns back into a cartoon. He walks up the dinosaur and he says, Oh, Magoo, you dog. And I wrote, once again, he's a hornball. And then, and then, this is my favorite sequence in film history. So I'll give it this. There's a disclaimer before the credits. Yep. The disclaimer reads, The preceding film is not intended as an accurate portrayal of blindness or poor eyesight. Blindness or poor eyesight does not imply an impairment of one's ability to be employed in a wide range of jobs, raise a family, perform important civic duties, or engage in a well-rounded life. All people with disabilities deserve a fair chance to live and work without being impeded by prejudice. It's not just that they put that in, guys. It's that yeah. then the exact next thing they do is they go to a fucking blooper reel. 
uh, to which I said even the outtakes aren't funny. The outtakes weren't funny at all. They weren't funny. At, like I, I know you guys are thinking that we're just being harsh. Or no, please watch I'm this saying, movie like, if you haven't. It's not funny. The outtakes are not. No, the outtakes are not like. Right. You know how hard it is to have unfunny outtakes. I've always <laughs> laughed at outtakes and blooper reels because at some point you get everyone laughing at each other for not being able to do. So. And for whatever reason, that like that always gets me when they when they crack up so much that they break. Right. That always gets me. It didn't get me here. And my last note. Seriously, why was that agent in brown face? Yeah, so so that's that's my favorite thing about the disclaimer. It's like in a movie where you got a guy in brown face, in a movie where you cast Jennifer Garner as someone ethnic and give her a terrible accent, in a movie with more dick jokes and sexual innuendos than I could shake a stick at, right? On a Disney children's movie released during Christmas. At the end of this, the filmmakers are like, guys, 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 this is way too offensive. Got to have a disclaimer out there. Blind people aren't really that blind. Like, that's that's the part that they felt compelled to apologize about. None of this other shit. Yeah, do, do blind people have an incredibly strong union we don't know about? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Maze. Oh, wow. So, uh... The film was rushed to video because it was pulled from theaters after two weeks oh, due to wow. insulting blind people and nearsighted people. Wow. Um, by the way, there's a note in the oh. trivia that contrary oh, to popular wanna... belief, Mr. Magoo is severely nearsighted. He's not blind. So the film was rushed to video due to bad reviews and protests by blind people and their advocates at theaters across the U.S. Disney attempted to deflect it by including that disclaimer at the end that argued the film was not intended as an accurate portrayal of visually impaired, which uh, Roger Ebert uh, sarcastically proclaimed was the only funny moment in the whole movie. Uh, The British Federation of Blind or of the Blind petitioned the British Board of Film Classification to ban the movie in the UK, claiming it would bring ridicule upon blind and partially sighted people. Was this the most controversial movie of the 90s? I got one question, though. How did they know? I I, I think word just got around. Oh my god! Oh my god! This is amazing. And that's the uh, whole movie. Uh, this is by the way. This is also uh, a couple of other trivia pieces. One is judging from unused footage in the trailer and behind the scenes specials, the opening animated sequence was also shot in live action, but never used. And then the what? other what? Yes, remember the animated part? <laughs> yes, they shot it in live action. Why the I don't know. And the other one, in the early 90s, the movie was in development at Amblin Entertainment with Danny DeVito. <laughs> that, he doesn't look anything like Mr. Magoo. He doesn't sound. I mean, it's, I'm just trying to think of Mr. Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, normally, this is the portion of the podcast where we go to a Tony Medley review. What? This movie was done in 1997. There is no Tony Medley review. I even searched. There is no mention of this movie in any of of the reviews of Tony Medley. So, I've got an alternative for you guys. What do you got? Apparently, he gives out his Academy Award picks. Oh, boy. I've got the 2004 Academy Award picks from TonyMedley.com. Okay. So in it, he's got the disclaimer, the, the recent Academy Awards not only confirmed my opinion that 2003 was one of the weakest years in movie history, it explains why. The people who made the terrible films, then nominated, then give, them, then give themselves the awards. Talk about incestuous. With these people in charge and patting themselves on the back for their medi- mediocre work, what chance do we have for improvement? Even so, there were some highlights and filmed them in 2003. Here's how I would have voted for the major awards. So I want you to, I just want you to keep that in mind, okay? He thinks it's so incestuous that it ruined the Academy Awards for the 2003 films that were given out in 2004. And this is how he would have gone. So for Best Supporting Actress, the actual winner that year was Renee Zellweger for Cold Mountain. He did pick her for Cold Mountain. He said the only good thing in an overrated movie. His runner-up, Lindsay Lohan for Freaky Friday. Oh. She played two roles, Zach. (laughs) 
Best Supporting Actor, he gave it to Peter Sarsgaard for Shattered Glass, as his performance still has me saying, wow. The actual winner that year was Tim Robbins for Mystic River. Peter Sarsgaard was not nominated, just so you know. Best Actress. Uh, the winner that year, Charlize Theron for Monster. Okay. His winner was not nominated. His winner, his winner was Jamie Lee Curtis for Freaky Friday. This guy really liked Freaky Friday. Best actor was given to Sean Penn for Mystic River that year. Right. His nomination was not acted. Or, or no, I'm sorry, his, his winner was not nominated. His winner would have gone to Colin Farrell for Phone Booth. Oh, wow. Nobody terrible. else was even close. He single-handedly made an improbable premise, plausible, and tense. Unlike the winner, <laughs> Farrell was actually, call, uh, was actually called upon to uh, act. <laughs> Best like picture that year. Injects, I like when he injects his personality. Me too. I love it. <laughs> the winner for Best Picture that year and the winner for Best Director, Peter Jackson for Lord of the Rings Return of the King. His winner was not nominated. Can you guess what his winner would have been that year? Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. (laughs) (laughs) And his best director pick was Mark Waters for Freaky Friday. Jesus. Freaky Friday sweep. Yo, how many times did he beat off to Freaky Friday? That's all I want (laughs) to do. 10 out of 10. All we need is the the opening paragraph here. There is a reason for everything. If you withstand and accept the bad and relax, good will come. That's what happened to me today. I now understand why I've had to sit through all the truly awful movies I've seen this summer. The Almighty was preparing me for Freaky Friday. While fighting with each other in a Chinese restaurant, the hostess gives them a fortune cookie with the same fortune in it. Almost simultaneously, everything shakes like an earthquake, and when it's all over, Tess and Anna have swapped bodies, and the fun begins. I laughed until literally tears came out, or tears came to my eyes. Curtis and Lohan are spectacular. Their expert acting makes this implausible movie work. Both should be Oscar nominees, but despite Sir Donald Wolfitt's deathbed utterance, dying is easy, comedy is hard, it'll never happen because comedy is rarely rewarded. Regardless, make no mistake, you will rarely see better acting. I just want you to know, remember, that this guy shits on Will Ferrell every chance he gets. And Freaky Friday was his Oscar pick. His Oscar Not like pick. His, his Oscar pick. Oscar winner, best director, best supporting actress, best actress. And Colin Farrell for Phone Booth. <laughs> Only because there's no male lead in Freaky Friday. Yeah. So, guys, here's time for the verdict. Is it a phobe or is it a file? Amin? Oh, yeah, man. I uh, I got to go with heavy file on this. File? I mean, heavy phobe. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I have to agree. I have to go phobe as well. But uh, I do want to give it up for for Angus the dog or the dog that played Angus the dog. That was the MVP of this movie. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it was certainly the best acting in the movie. Right? He probably went back to his trailer and was like, God, I have to, I can't believe I have to work this I can't believe <laughs> I'm going to piss again. in this jar again. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's a phobe. I mean, it's, it's not funny. It's a comedy that's not funny. It's got a dick mobile in it. Uh, it was released on Christmas Day by the Walt Disney Corporation, and and it's and it's it's woefully offensive in so many ways. Oh, I mean, just like uh, I, and and the thing they apologized for was was not any of like the, <laughs> the racism or anything. And they only apologized after like the movie almost got banned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and, and yeah, 7% is, 7% is offensive. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who the 7% are. Well, so it's, it's the, uh, so it only had what, 20, where was it? It has 29 reviews and two of those are positive, I believe. Who, who are the two positives? So I gave you the one, Ken Fox from 2008. Yeah. Instantly forgettable, but fun while it lasts. And then Brian Costello from Common Sense Media in 2017. Silly live action 90s remake of cartoon Pratt Falls Abound. All right, that's not really a positive review. Yeah, and, and he, gave, he gave it like a three out of five, which technically oh, is damn. positive. But That is positive. Why would he give it three? Uh, let me see three? if there's a, uh, All right, hold on. Let me. I'm, 
it doesn't say it it doesn't even have a link to the review jesus christ i'm looking at what else this guy this guy gave the net a three out of five the net is way better than this movie thomas crown affair in 1968 he gave a three out of five he he thinks thomas crown affair is is the same quality movie as mr magoo yeah yeah hold the fuck on this guy gave hobbs and shaw a three out of five are you kidding me? Wait, is that high or low? One, it's low. Two, you think it's the same movie as Mr. Magoo? A lot of people you don't like that. You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, go fuck war. yourself. Who, who is this guy? Brian Costello? Oh, go fuck yourself. Oh, Common no. sense media, my ass. I'm done. Don't watch this movie. Thanks for being a Patreon subscriber. Tell your friends. That legitimately ruined my day. <laughs>